In any major battle, and I think of World War II specifically, the key targets were always the communication lines and the supply lines, prayer and fellowship. Same's true when it comes to our spiritual relationship with Christ, our enemy is always after the both of them. Let's talk about that next. And again, greetings in Christ. Welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. The communication lines are always the first thing we go after. You see, if you can break up the communication lines in a war, well, the front lines can't talk to the powers that be behind them, and vice versa. Satan knows this and does everything to keep us from prayer. So let's talk about prayer and encourage one another towards that end. With a look at prayer, Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Well, thirdly, prayer is an act of supplication. And if in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul makes it very clear. He says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, with prayer and what? Supplication, make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. In other words, you're not even going to understand how this is working, folks. But you know what? It's going to keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The result of your asking... Your requests in prayer, what, what Paul says, the result of that is, you know what, you're going to have some sort of peace in your mind. And in John chapter 16, verse 24, it points out to us that prayer is an act of supplication. It's a way that we make our request known unto God. In verse 23 of John 16, it says, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Verse 24. Until now, you have what? Asked nothing in my name. And he says what? Ask, and you will receive. Why? So that your joy may be full. He says, you know what? You're going to be filled with joy. You're going to be happy because you're going to ask. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to answer. <laughs> That's a promise from God. The fact of the matter is prayer is God's chosen method, really, of meeting our needs in so many ways. The Bible teaches that there are some things that God has promised to do only if we pray. Some people think, well, you know, they get into their theological chair and they think, well, God knows what I need anyway, so why do I have to ask? He'll just give it whenever I need it. That's not necessarily true. God has set up in his sovereign plan that there are some things that he will do if we ask, if we pray. I mean, look at the New Testament Christians. I mean, they were unbelievable. They were joyous. They were contagious. They were happy. They were enthusiastic. Why? Because they had the power of prayer in their lives. They saw God answering their prayers miraculously on a regular basis. I mean, the typical New Testament Christian, if you ask them, well, how's it going today? They say, oh, business as usual, one miracle after another. That was just normal. And you say, well, how come we don't have that kind of power? Why don't we have that same kind of power in prayer that they had in the New Testament? I think James 4.2 says it oh too well. 
He says, you have not because you what? Ask not. Over 20 times in the New Testament, the Bible says to ask. Ask, seek, knock, keep on asking. I'm reminded of an older illustration that I, I uh, read one time. And this guy goes up to heaven. And he gets up there and he's looking around. And he sees all these big warehouses. And he's looking all over the place. And there's just mile after mile of these warehouses. He's like, well, wonder what's in these things. So he walks in the warehouse. And there's all these incredible blessings, gifts. Spiritual situations, fantastic things, tremendous gifts, jobs, homes, families, all kinds of packaged up neat little gifts. And he asked the Lord, he said, what is this? All these warehouses with all these packaged gifts here. And the Lord looks at him and says, well, there's a tag on each one of the gifts. Go ahead and read the tag. It says the same on all the gifts. So he bent down, he looked at one of the, ca- the gifts, and he pulled the, ki- the tag around, he read it, and it says... Never asked for. See, God doesn't. I know that's kind of a silly illustration. But you know what? C.H. Spurgeon said this. He said, God never shuts his storehouses until you shut your mouth. I think that's good. See, we need to start asking God. We need to prayer, understand that prayer is an act of supplication. I mean, what are you lacking right now in your life? Maybe it's simply because you never asked God for it. Maybe you haven't believed God for it. Well, what do you ask God for? What is God's will? How many people here want to know what God's will is? Hopefully everybody, right? What do we ask God for when we go to him in prayer? Well, I heard John MacArthur share this one time. He said, you know what? God's will for you is basically, it's very simple. First of all, it's to be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. What is God's will for your life? First of all, it's to be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Why? Not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. So he wants you to be saved. Well, after you're saved, what's he want? He wants you to be spirit-filled. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. But be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. Be filled. Be under control. That's what that word means. Be continuously under control of the Spirit. Well, not just saved and spirit-filled, but also sanctified. He says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4.13. God wants you to live a sanctified life. He wants you to set yourself apart from the world. As hard as that is in the day and age we live in, that's what God expects. Fourthly, God wants us to be submissive. James 4.7 very simply says, submit therefore to God. We don't like that word submissive, but it's right there and it's biblical. So saved, spirit-filled, sanctified, submissive. He also, listen to this one, hold on. He wants you to suffer. It's God's will for you to suffer. We don't hear that a lot today. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. When's the last time you realized that? Part of God's will for you is to suffer. And the last thing is to to say thanks, to be thankful. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So you take those six things. Well, what about other things? You know what? If you do those six things, then you go and do whatever you want. (laughs) That's pretty much it. If you're spirit-filled, if you're saved, if you're sanctified, if you're submissive, if you're learning to suffer and you're thankful, you can do whatever you want. And you know what's going to happen? God is going to give you the desires of your heart. God's not interested in you asking for something you don't want. Do you understand that? The Bible over and over again, Psalm 145 verse 19, it says, He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him, who also hears their cry and saves them. He fulfills the what? The desires. Not just the needs, the desires. Because if you're fearing God, your desires are going to be right. Psalm 37, 4 says this, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will what? Give you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself in God, you're trying to do the best that you can to let God's Spirit live through you. Your desires are not going to be wrong. Psalm 84.11 says, No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. See, God is not up in heaven holding on to all these things in his warehouses and just kind of you got to convince me to give this stuff to you. No. God doesn't have white knuckle syndrome. You know, he's not holding on to everything he has with white knuckles. He's saying, please just ask. I want to bless you. I want to bless your family. But you got to ask. Remember when I was a youth pastor, we were up at Hume Lake and certain students, not in our, not in our group, but in, a, in a, uh, another group from another church, they were giving their testimonies of how God used the camp the year before and one of these uh, young boys, I think he was probably in maybe 10th or 11th grade, he got up and he shared his testimony how he came to Christ last year <clears throat> at Hume Lake and he got saved and he said he went back to his church <clears throat> and they started teaching him all this theology, which was good. He said he learned that God was all powerful. He's omnipotent. He had all these big words, you know. And, uh, and he said that, you know, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He goes, and then I realized that God is omniscient. He knows everything. Well, this young Christian man, you know, the fall came and he got back into school and he's pondering this one day as he's studying and he had an algebra test coming up. And he started thinking, you know, God, if you know everything about everything, God, I bet you even know what questions the algebra teacher is going to put on the final exam. Sounds like pretty simple faith, right? He says, you know, God, if you know everything from the beginning to the end, then you know what, even before he writes the exam, you already know it. So God, give me wisdom as I study. These different formulas, give me wisdom on what to study. So that I'm studying the right stuff, because I don't want to flunk this exam, but, you know, it's a tough subject for me. And God, I'm just trusting you, you know. And the, the exam grew closer and closer. And the night before, he's still studying in the exams the next day. And he prayed, Lord, the Bible says that you'll give us the desires of our heart. So, God, I'm going to ask you, and this is probably crazy, God, but help me get an 87 on that exam tomorrow. I don't know why he didn't ask for 100. Maybe he didn't have faith. I don't know. But (laughs) he asked for an 87. 
And he went on with his testimony. He said he went in and boy, you know, he's taking this test. He's describing the whole thing. And he said, you know, the answers are coming pretty freely. You know, what is God's answer in this prayer? And uh, felt pretty good when he left that Thursday. Came back on Friday. Feeling pretty good. And uh, got his test back. And he got an 86. And for a young Christian, he said it, it was very discouraging. He looked at the paper. He couldn't even believe it. An 86. God, that's not what I asked you for. God, I asked you for an 87. Is this a sham? Is this for real? What's going on here, God? And the whole weekend, man, he's having this dialogue with God. You know, I don't understand it. You know, I mean, you, you gave me the everything, but I got an 86, but I asked you for an 87. He's kind of having his own crisis of faith. Went to church on Sunday and whatever, just kind of, just kind of forgot about the whole thing. He gets back on Monday and he said, the teacher, the first thing she did after we did the pledge and all that stuff, she got out in front of the class and she named five students and she said, I need your tests back. Because I made a mistake. And you know what? She corrected the mistake. And you know what he got? He got an age of seven. <laughs> and he said, you know what? It was like God put me through this ringer all weekend. <laughs> but you know what? He proved himself faithful. And that may sound kind of silly. But you know what? God's concerned about things like that. God's concerned when we ask him for things. And he says, you know what? I'm going to answer your prayers that your joy, what? Will be made complete. It will be made full. But if we're never praying, we never give God the opportunity to answer our requests. I mean, you know, as a father and a grandfather, and some of you know this as, as well, you know, you love to give your kids things. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a blessing. Sometimes even when they don't need stuff, you buy them stuff. It's just kind of watch their face. Oh, this is cool. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing to, to be able to grant someone a gift. Well, in Luke chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish to eat, would give him a steak? Or if he asks for an egg or whatever, would give him a scorpion? And Jesus said, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, God is interested in giving us the desires of our hearts. He delights in answering our requests. So prayer is an act of dedication quickly, communication, supplication. The last thing is prayer is an act of cooperation. Cooperation. We understand God is sovereign, but you know what? God has sovereignly chosen in his plan that we can cooperate in his plan by, with him by praying. We can see his word done on earth. God, prayer is God's program. It's his MO. It's the way he operates. Prayer is God saying, I've chosen to limit myself to what I accomplish on earth simply by limiting myself to the faith of my children on earth. What they believe me for, I'll do. I mean, think about it. When you're praying for other people, what are you doing? You're cooperating with God. You're teaming up with God to accomplish God's work in their life. Look back one chapter, John 14. And it's probably one of, the, one of the more amazing verses in the Gospels. But in John 14, in, in verse 11, Jesus starts out here and he says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. 
And if you don't believe that, just look at the works I'm doing. At least believe those, those miracles, which they did. And then verse 12 says, Truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also, look at this, do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father. You think of the works that Jesus did and we're doing greater works? See, he's not so much focusing on the, the miraculous. He's not saying, oh, you're going to do, do more miracles than I am. As far as the sign and wonders and all those things. Clearly, that's not the case. What's he talking about the greater works? When the original, it just says, basically, if you believe in me and also in the works that I do, you'll do greater things or works isn't even there. And he says in verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will what? Do it. I mean, have you been raising the dead lately, healing the sick? He says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. What are the greater things that Jesus is talking about? I mean, I I think that it's important for us to understand that. He says, whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may, uh, may bring glory to his Son, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. How are we going to do greater things than what Jesus did while he was here on earth? Simple. It's through prayer. It's through prayer. Because prayer is what? Prayer is limitless. Think about it. I mean, when Christ was here on earth, I mean, he was God, but he was in a bod, so he couldn't be everywhere at once. So even when Christ went to this village over here and he healed everybody there, that meant there was a village over there where nobody got healed because he chose to physically go here. Do you ever think about the limitless nature of our prayers? Prayer is not limited by time or space. You know, you can be praying today and your prayers could have an effect five years from now. Prayer isn't limited by space. This morning... When I woke up, I was going through the prayer journal, did the prayers, and then I, I prayed for those officers' families down in Palm Springs that lost their lives over the weekend. They don't know me. I don't know them. I'm not even in their neighborhood. Prayed for the people back east dealing with the flood waters. All those things are, are not limited because of space or time. It's very empowering. When you stop and think about it, people may reject your appeals. People may reject your arguments. People may even reject you as a Christian. (laughs) But you know what? They're totally defenseless against your prayers. They can't do anything. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Do you ever think of that? Like a river, God can change the course of history even through the prayers of his people. Over the years of ministry, I've done a lot of counseling with people, with couples, with individuals. And a lot of times they're, they're at the end of the rope. They're, they're, they're in an impossible situation. And usually they'll say something like this, you know, I'm so discouraged. I'm so at the bottom of it. I just don't know what to do. I guess the only thing I can do is pray. And I want to say, wow, don't say it like that. <laughs> the one thing that you can do is Pray. At least you've got a resource that most of the world doesn't have. If you can pray, you can make the impossible possible. All of a sudden, you're not 
trying to work it out on your own anymore. You've got the power of God behind you. Six times in this passage, Jesus says, if you will ask, I will answer. If you will ask, I will do. He says, your part is the asking. My part is the doing. That's because he's in a a lot better position than we are. He says, if you pray, I will do. I think we get our focus on the wrong things sometimes. You know, I think today we live in a, a, a Christianity that's filled with celebrities. I mean, you stop and you think, who are going to be the heroes in heaven? Who are going to be the heroes in heaven? Do you think it's going to be the Billy Graham or the Charles Spurgeons? I don't think so. I really don't. I think the heroes in heaven are going to be those little unknown people who spend time on their knees praying for those individuals who were in the limelight because there are no little peoples in God's eyes. Prayer is the most important thing you can do. D.L. Moody said this, every great movement of God can be traced to a single praying, kneeling figure. So do we want to believe God that he can change us as individuals, that he can change our church, that he can change our city, our state, our country. I mean, beloved, I don't, I don't know why. We need a miracle to turn things around. God acts according to prayer. And I pray that as a church, we will be a praying church, that we will fall on our knees quicker than we will run to some activity, that we'll take the time to ask God to meet those needs. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I want to ask just us as we gather here, what are you lacking right now in your life? Maybe, maybe you're lacking those things because you never asked God for it. You know what? He says, please ask me. Please ask me. He wants to answer your prayers. He wants to do it in accord with his will. This isn't a name it and claim it situation that we believe in. But go to God and ask him, Lord, teach me how to pray. Help prayer to be a bigger part of my life, not just a ritual that I go through every day or before I eat or before I go to sleep. Because, Father, we're excited about what you're going to do in and through us. Lord, this world is quickly fading. It's just falling apart. And, Lord, we just pray that you would remind us that it's not through the political system that we look for you to work miraculously. It's through prayer. We pray that you would change people's hearts one at a time. Father, you can do that with the most vile people. Lord, help us to have that kind of faith. Don't help, help us to, to never give up on you working a miracle, changing a life, transforming somebody, bringing somebody from darkness into light. Help us to be part of that through prayer. If there's anyone here this morning who's yet to put their faith, their trust in Christ, Lord, I pray that you would make it very clear to them that they're a sinner that we're all sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there's only one way out of this mess in which we find ourselves. It's through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. He says, you know what? If you're feeling weary, if you're feeling downtrodden, if you're feeling just overrun with issues, come to me. I'll take your burden. I'll take it off your shoulders for you. For the first time, you'll sense a forgiveness that you've never sensed before because you've turned those sins, those burdens you're carrying over to a God who loves and cares for you very much. Cry out to him even now and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Show me your truth. Teach me how to communicate with you, how to pray. I pray that that would be a prayer that God would answer for you today, that you would be forgiven of your sins, and that you would come to know that God is not your enemy. He desires to be your friend. But he can only be your friend if you come through the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for your sins. Just give us a a wonderful day. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. By the way, we do have another way that you can access resources from us here at Graceful Truth. Simply download our brand new app. As you go to the App Store, simply look for Grace Bible Church CA. Free and ready for download on Android and OS App Stores. Thank you so much for taking advantage of these resource materials. It's our hope and prayer that you are using them for your further growth in Christ. Again, simply go to the App Store and look for Grace Bible Church CA and download our app today. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.